podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router, and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome along to Two Footed Podcast on a Friday. And aren't we just all glad it's a Friday? It is the 23rd of June. Hope you all have nice plans for the weekend. Don't do anything strenuous. It might be tempting fate with this weather. There's thunder, there's lightning in the air, rain on the way. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, it's probably much nicer where you live than where I live because Ireland is very, very wet. And this part of Ireland is exceptionally wet with its 365 lakes in the county, one for every day of the year. It just means an extra rain shower for every day of the year. Anyway, we're going to carry on working our way through the Premier League clubs. 
and what they might want to do this summer. So we're going to start off today with the tune. Newcastle United finished fourth this past season, so we'll have Champions League football ahead of them. Very clearly moved ahead of schedule. I don't think anybody connected to Newcastle, manager, owner, players, fan, whatever, don't think anyone expected Newcastle to finish in the top four last season, but they did. And they will now have to continue to build from there. It does put extra pressure on Eddie Howe. For example, if they were to finish sixth this season, that wouldn't necessarily be a bad season, but it could be seen as a step backwards and that could end up costing him his job ultimately. I did float the idea to Carl Matchett that I wonder has there been at any level an internal conversation at Newcastle of we're ahead of schedule, we're in the Champions League, we know Eddie isn't an elite manager, there is an elite manager out there who we probably have been looking at in three years' time in Julian Nagelsmann. Should we attempt to try and get him now? So... Like I say, I don't think they'll make a change. I think Howe gets the season, and deservedly so. I thought he was the manager of the year this past year. I think he overachieved hugely with the squad he had. They were the best defensive team in the league. They did struggle at times to score goals, but I thought we saw enough flashes from the likes of Alexander Isak to suggest that he is going to be a big-time player for them. I like how they've built this project so far. They haven't rushed. They haven't tried to do too much at once. This is clearly not the team that will be the Newcastle team when they win major honours. But I do think there's probably three, maybe four, who will be part of that team down the line. Sven Botman, obviously. Bruno Gomerich, obviously. Alexander Isak, obviously. And maybe Nick Pope. Maybe Nick Pope. Now, he is 31, and he's not elite level, but he is good. I think he's the best English goalkeeper, and I actually don't think it's all that close, to be honest. Um, I think he'll he'll be good enough for the next three years. We'll see after that. So, let's go goalkeeper through to the attack. What could they look to do this summer? Nick Pope is more than good enough. They don't need to worry about the starting goalkeeping position. Now, in terms of depth here, they've got four on their books currently. They've got Martin Dubravka. They've got Loris Karius. They've got Carl Darlow. And they've got Mark Gillespie. Now, Dubravka is the best of that group. I don't think there's any doubt Gillespie, for me, would be the worst of the group. He's the one I'd let go. i keep Dubravka. And then it's a question of, do you keep Karius or do you keep Darlow? I'd be inclined to let Carl Darlow go. Just to let him go and have more opportunities to play. Loris Karius has had opportunities as a number one. Darlow hasn't really. He's played, he had a good season in the championship for them the year they got promoted. But he has largely been a backup barring the year that Dubravka got injured. Was that 
2021. Um, he was a good keeper. He was a promising keeper when he was at Forest as a younger player. I'd like to see him get an opportunity to go to a championship club and make the position his own. I, I think he's earned that right over the years. He's never complained. He's never made a fuss. He's just always put his head down and got on with his business. He has never let Newcastle down. I'd be inclined to let him go and just keep Loris Carius as your third choice keeper. Defensively, you've got Kieran Trippier at right back. Emil Kraft will be back from the knee injury. And you've got Mankio. And you've got Harrison Ashby. Ashby will be the long-term talent who they're hoping can one day become first choice. I think a loan would benefit him hugely this coming season. Trippier will obviously be the number one. I think you've got to keep either Kraft or Mankio and let the other one go. Personally, I'd keep Kraft. I think just as an all-rounder, he's better. Mankio has never really developed. It's probably just time to move him on. He's been there six years. It's probably time to move him on. At left-back, Dan Byrne is the starter. You own Matt Target. You own Jamal Lewis. I think Jamal Lewis is one you should move on. He's never really had much of an opportunity there. I think he's still a very promising left-back. He's only 25. He's barely kicked a ball for Newcastle in the last 18 months at least. Uh, 10 appearances in the last two seasons. So I, I would be looking to move him on. He did have some injuries, but still, I would look to move him on. Keep Matt Target, keep Dan Byrne, but that is a position I would look to bring in a long-term upgrade. It could be Kieran Tierney. They've been linked to a few others, but that's definitely a position I think they should look at. They do also have Paul Dummett. I think they just keep him around because he's homegrown and because he's popular. He's not good enough to play in the Premier League but he doesn't really play. He's just sort of there for the purposes of being there. But he's played four games in two years. Um, he's never quite been Premier League calibre. It's it's ideally time to move him on, but if you want to keep him as you know a squad piece, that's fair enough. Lachelles needs to go. Jamal Lachelles, it is time. Former captain of the club. He's taken his relegation to a squad position fairly well externally. Don't know how it's been behind the scenes, but he needs to move on. They need to sign a partner for Sven Botman. Now, Fabian Scher had a really good season, which is why that partner for Botman doesn't need to be someone that walks in day one as a starter, but it is something they need to address. Then Scher can become a quality backup. Ideally, I'd look for one more centre-back as well. Uh, cover for Botman. Now, Dan Byrne could fill in there. So you might get away with that for a year, but I think they need to go and get the right side centre-back of the future. Someone with good pace, someone who's aggressive in the air, someone who's comfortable on the ball. So, fine at right back, need a right centre-back, could do with a backup left centre-back, and need a left back. I would say prioritize the left back and the right side center back. You can patchwork the left side center back together behind Botman, who to be fair is very durable, but Dan Byrne could fill in there if you need him to. 
And depending on who you get at left back, they could possibly do a job there. Like if it's Kieran Tierney, he could fill in at centre back if needed as well. Um, in midfield, very clear Bruno Gamares is the only one that's going to be a starter long term. But Jolington can be an important squad player long term. Jacob Murphy can play everywhere, but he's not someone that you want starting. Joe Willock, I think, is going to be best suited into a squad role when Newcastle are really where they want to be. Elliot Anderson is one I do have high hopes for, but he's still a couple of years away from being ready to properly contribute. Sean Longstaff is a squad player. Uh, Lucas Debole, I don't know much about. He's an academy kid. Same with Lewis Milley or Miley. Uh, Cousin Jeff is not good enough. And Isaac Hayden probably more suited to the championship these days. I would say they need two starting midfielders, but I don't think they'll buy two in this window. I think Jolington probably stays as a starter. Jolington and Willock to rotate in one position next season. It looks like Sandro Tonali is going to happen. He's a very, very good player. A very, very good player. And he is a more natural six. So that will allow Gamerish to play a little bit more advanced. My worry would be there's not a lot of foot speed between those two. They're both very switched on defensively. They're both very good defensively. They're both excellent on the ball. They're not very quick and dynamic. I'd like a sort of more dynamic player in there. Now, Joe Willock is dynamic, and it could be him. But again, I'd like someone with a higher ceiling than Joe Willock. But I do think Tonali is a good signing. The, The price is high, but the price was always going to be high to get one of the crown jewels out of AC Milan. It's simple as that. He's a player that's very, very important to them. A player they didn't want to sell. But Newcastle, having made an initial approach of £50 uh, got word basically that, look, if you can push that to 70 ish we would be interested in in doing a deal. And that's what's basically happened here. So Sandro Tonali looks like, for all intents and purposes, he is going to be the next big arrival at Newcastle. And I have to say, I I don't care what people have to say about it's overpriced and Italian players in the Premier League. He is the type who's got the right mindset, who's got the right technical ability, who's got the right game to come to the Premier League and do very, very well. So I think it's good business for Newcastle. They're going to have to overpay. It's as simple as that. They're going to have to overpay to get players in. Because everybody knows they've got the money behind them. Sandro Tonali is is good business for Newcastle. And he's a good age. He's only just turned 23. You've got Gamerish, who's 25. You've got Sven Botman, who's 23. And you've got Isak, who's 23. And they're the four guaranteed pieces to be part of what could be a special team in time. And they're all at a very, very good age. The other thing um, that Tonali does, if Gamerish was to leave, if he were to decide, I don't want to do a new contract, I want to go to Real Madrid or wherever, 
Tonali can fill the role that he played last season. Is he as good? No, but he is two years younger. And from a talent perspective, there's not much of a gap. There really isn't. He's been well-schooled at Brescia. He's been at Milan now for three seasons, one on loan, two as a permanent signing. He won Serie B with Brescia. He won Serie A with the um, with, with, with Milan. So he's a proven winner. He knows what it takes to win. And Newcastle need more players like that. So, yeah, I think Sandro Tonali makes a lot of sense. Through the middle, up front, they're set. They've got Isak. They've got Callum Wilson. They don't really need to worry about doing anything else there. That's a strong position to be in. The question is then in the wide areas. So they've already made their first signing of this transfer window. Yankuba Minta, young Gambian attacker. He's arrived. He's gone out on loan. I think he's gone to Feyenoord on loan. Very talented by all accounts. Jolington can play in wide areas, but he has been more effective in midfield. Anthony Gordon is is only 22. Now, I don't think he's very good, but he is quick. And that can be beneficial in this league. Pace can give you a career. Look at Theo Walcott. Alan St. Maximin would annoy the piss out of me if he played for my team. He's... Just one week he's the best player in Europe, the next he looks like football is completely new to him. He fluctuates between being Neymar at his very, very best and Bertrand Traore at his very, very worst from week to week. That is the the scale of the Alan St. Maximum journey. I still think he's a valuable squad player. He's not one I'd look to move on, but I wouldn't want him as a starter. Matt Ritchie, I don't believe, is good enough to play at the Premier League level anymore. Ryan Fraser is not good enough to play at the Premier League level anymore. Jacob Murphy, like I said, is a decent squad player. Elliot Anderson can also play wide if you want him to. And then you've got Miguel Almiron, who had a great run last season. <clears throat> is that indicative of the player he is? No. But it does show what he's capable of for a spell. So he's definitely worth keeping around. I would say they need two wide forwards to play either side of Isak. But this summer, I would be surprised if they signed more than one. And I think Gordon, St. Maxman and Almiron will rotate through the other position. So I think they will sign a wide forward. I think Musa Diaby is the name that's been long linked to them. I think he definitely fits into what they're looking to do in terms of how they're building this team. Certainly from a talent point of view, he does. He's also 23, he'll be 24 next month. So from an age point of view, he also fits in with these young stars that they're assembling. So if they could get him a good left back, Kieran Tierney would work. Him, Tierney, Tonali, obviously, and that right side centre back. Someone that is just ready to play from day one, but you don't need him to play every single week because you've got Fabian Cher there. 
I think they would be in really good shape going into next season. I I don't think they'll get top four next season because they've got Champions League. I think that distraction and those extra games. I also think they'll put a priority on the cups because silverware is going to be hugely important here. And you've got to get your first trophy to start it all off. For City, it was that FA Cup. That FA Cup they won really kick-started what we now see for City. So I think Newcastle might look at something similar. Kieran Tierney makes the most sense at left-back, just largely because he's been linked for so long. Tonali, Moussa Diaby, and then a centre-back. Mohamed Simakan, he could be a good fit. He's quick, he's aggressive. He's not the biggest, but he is very good. I would probably go for Scalvini from Atalanta, personally. Now, he's not the most aggressive, but he is very, very good. And him and Botman could be a sensational pairing together. If they wanted to make a splash, then Antonio Silva from Benfica is is basically perfect for what they want. And to be fair, just as a centre-back in general, he is outrageously good. If you could convince Benfica to sell, I know he's got a big buyout clause. You don't really want to pay it. You're up against the FFP wall anyway. Well, you will be after Tonali and, and one or two others. So maybe he's out of bounds. You could potentially go for someone like Bella Kotchup to develop. You know, he wouldn't need to be an everyday starter. He's not ready to be an every game starter for a top club, but he is good enough to play for top clubs. Malik Tio from Milan, since you've got an open line of communication, Fikayo Tamori. Not elite level, but he's very good, and he would fit the bill next to Botman. And to be fair, that's the centre-back pairing Milan wanted originally, was Tamori and Botman. They couldn't get the Botman deal done. I think Newcastle will be in good shape. Get yourself the right-side centre-back, a left-back, get the Tonali deal done, get one wide forward, and if there's money left, get yourself a backup left-side centre-back, and then you're good to go for next season. The following summer, then you upgrade on Tierney. No, not no, sorry, not Tierney. Upgrade on Trippier. You upgrade on Jolington Willock, and you upgrade on the other wing spot. And then it's really a case of is Nick Pope the goalkeeper moving forward? And if not, that's your last upgrade, and then you're done. <laughs> then you're set. And the players that you're upgrading on become good squad players. Newcastle doing this the right way. But no foolish moves yet. There's no Rubinho here. And when I see people say, oh, Newcastle, when Neymar, for example, is linked with, you know, a move away, oh, that got Newcastle written all over it. No, it doesn't. Because you're not paying attention. They're not doing dumb things. They're being very smart with how they spend their money. Other than the Anthony Gordon deal, which was a little bit silly. Moving on, Nottingham Forest. So, Steve Cooper, over the course of the season, did a good job and kept them up. There was some very rough spells. There was times when it looked like he would lose his job. You know, they won one of their first 11 games, but then they went on a good run and they won five of their next 10 games. 
Then there was another bad run where they didn't win from the 11th, sorry, the 5th of April, sorry, 5th of February, they beat Leeds, didn't win a game again till the 26th of April. In between that, they played 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 11 games again and didn't win any, took three points. But they finished the season well. They beat Brighton. They beat Southampton. They drew away with Chelsea. They beat Arsenal. And then they drew at Crystal Palace. And if you look at the table, they stayed up fairly comfortably. Four points clear. But there was a lot of clenching of arse cheeks at Nottingham Forest last season. The owners were brave. They backed the manager. They gave him a new contract. What they need this summer is they need a measured approach to the transfer window. Last summer was manic. Now, it was necessary because they lost so many players from the squad that was coming up. They had to go and buy a lot of players. Now, not all of them worked, clearly. But some worked brilliantly. And they don't have a huge amount to do this summer, in my opinion. I think Cooper goes back to the back three because that's what he likes. He has been a back three manager through his career. I think they need a goalkeeper for starters because Dean Henderson was on loan and I think they would like to bring him back. I I don't know if they'll be able to. Uh, Kaylor Navas was on loan. I would prefer to bring him back personally because I think he's one of the big reasons they stayed up. If you could get him on a two-year deal, I think that would be a great signing. But it looks like Dean Henderson's the one they're looking at. If they don't get him, they really should have a look at Queeveen Callagher at Liverpool, who I think would be a really good fit there. You've got Wayne Hennessy as the backup. You've got Ethan Horvat as your third-choice keeper. Now, he spent last season on loan at Luton and helped get them promoted. So they might want to bring him back. But if not, he's he's a decent backup keeper to have. In defence, I think you need to let Steve Cook go. I don't think he's good enough for the Premier League. I don't think he's ever been good enough for the Premier League. Um, Julian Bianconi, I think ideal right-sided centre-back in a three. Good right-back in a four. Missed all of last season, basically, with torn ACL. So he'd be like getting a new player in, because they paid good money for him, and he is a very talented player. Joe Worrell's lack of pace was problematic last season when he was played right side of the back three. In the three, he needs to be the one in the middle. In a four, he was fine. But right side of a three, he's a little bit too slow. Nico Williams had an up and down season, ended with a bad injury. He should be okay to start next season. Very much a wing back, not a full back. Defensively, not quite good enough at full back. Harry Tofolo looked a little bit out of his depth at the Premier League level. Solid championship player without question, but you might want to move him on. Musa Niakata was excellent, but injuries were a concern. You've got to keep him fit. Serge Aurier came in and did a job. You can't ask for much more. Scott McKenna, I think, struggled with the adaption to the Premier League, but once he settled in, I thought he did okay. Omar Richards didn't kick a ball. He was injured all year. So they're getting him. So that's like one new signing in. With Biancono, it's actually two new signings. Uh, Willie Bolly, 
I wouldn't be a big fan, but for squad depth, experience, fair enough. I thought Felipe was a walking disaster for them, who made errors every time I watched them play. And then I saw a Forest journalist say he's been a revelation since joining. So I don't know what they were watching, but it wasn't the same stuff as me. Um, I, I wouldn't want him as a starter, personally. Fair enough as an experienced backup. Um, Mohamed Drager, he was out on loan last season. Richie Larry is not Premier League quality. Luke Mabay, so uh, he's a talented young defender. He's probably worth keeping for for depth. And Jonathan Panzo is another talented young defender who went on loan to Coventry last season, almost had that nightmarish moment in the playoff final, was eventually on the losing side of the playoff final. In a back three, I think they need one starter to go with Niakata and McKenna. I would buy a right-sided centre-back to start with those two. And then have Bianconi, Worrell, and Felipe as the depth, and I think that's and Willy Bolly. I think that's fine. Um, I'd probably be looking to bring in a left back to go with Omar Richards, let Tofolo go, and then you've got Nico Williams and Serge Aurier at right back, which I think is good enough to to get through the season. So, starting goalkeeper, starting left back, starting centre back. Midfield, I don't think I'd do too much here. Mangala improved as the season went along. Shelby was a mistake. They shouldn't have signed him. That was a silly move. They didn't need him. It was a mistake. Morgan Gibbs-White was outstanding. He will be a nailed-on starter. Lewis O'Brien will be interested to see what they do because he came in, I thought he started the season quite well, and then they loaned him out to the MLS as a squad player, I think he's more than good enough. Czech Koyate is nothing more than a squad player at this point. Ryan Yates, I think, is a squad player. Remo Freuler had a rough season. But I still think he's worth persevering with. Dania was excellent when he came in. Scarpa was in and out of the team for one reason or other injuries. He also had some personal stuff going on. But I don't think they need to bring in anybody in midfield. I think they're fine in midfield this year. I think there's a good enough three with Mangala, Danilo, and Gibbs, Gibbs White as the 10, the other two behind him. I think that's more than good enough to get through the season. And then in attack, you've got Awani, you've got Brennan Johnson, you've got Emmanuel Dennis, you've got Sam Surridge, and you've got Chris Wood, who I didn't like the signing of, but they signed him and he's there, so you might as well make use of them. I think maybe you look to bring in one more attacker, but I don't think you need to. I think you need to focus on that defense. Goalkeeper, right side centre-back. If the money's there, I'd look to upgrade on McKenna as well. So I'd buy two to play the side of Niakata and a left-back. In fact, that's what i do. Those four. Goalkeeper, Starting right side centre back, starting left side centre back, and a left back. If he's going to play a back four, then one starting centre back, left back, goalkeeper, and one more in midfield will be needed then. Then I think you need another starter in midfield. But 
I don't think they're in bad shape going into the season. I think there's a pretty good squad there. There's a lot of people look at them as some something of a curiosity because of what went on last summer. But, you know, those signings were needed. They had a, a lot of players leaving. Like, if we look, players that left last summer, right? So, Rama left, Richardson left, Bong left, Fernandez left, uh, Figueredo left, Graben left, Jenkinson left, Saravea left, Bryce Samba left, Zande left, Zande Silva left, Nuno da Costa left, Joe Lolly left, and they got little to nothing in for that group of players. A lot of them were just out of contract. They also had a bunch of players who'd been in the previous season on loan and were going back to their own clubs. Because if you look at the players that have been in the team the previous year, uh, Zinkernagel, he was in on loan. Out he went. Uh, James Garner was on loan, couldn't keep him. Max Lowe was on loan, couldn't keep him. Jed Spence was on loan, couldn't keep him. And Keenan Davis was on loan. That's five starters that they had in on loan. So all of them needed to be replaced, as well as the squad depth that was leaving. So when you look at it from that angle, the players brought in made sense. Tewawani replaced Keenan Davies. Morgan Gibbs-White replaced Zinkernagel. Omar Richards replaced Max Lowe. Nico Williams replaced Jed Spence. And who was the fifth starter I had there that was in on loan? Oh, James Garner. And if you look at what Forrest did early last summer, they brought in Lewis O'Brien. He was to be the James Garner replacement. And then the rest, Biancone, young player brought in to develop big potential Musa Niakata, big upgrade at centre-back over Steve Cook. Wayne Hennessy brought in to be a backup goalkeeper. They had to change out. Bryce Samba left, so they had to bring in Dean Henderson. Uh, Mangala upgraded in midfield. Emmanuel Dennis, I think, was a bit of a, a gamble on talent. But he'd had a good season at Watford, but he made sense. Czech Koyate was a free. There was no risk involved. Willie Bolly was, I think, a million quid experienced Premier League players at Remy Freuler, another upgrade in midfield. Like the business made sense. Now some of the stuff didn't make sense. Like, and again, Serge Aurier, I thought made sense at the time because they needed a bit of depth at right back and he was free, you know, January Gustavo Scarpa free transfer. Everybody does that. Danilo, huge potential 16, 17 million. Everybody does that. Didn't like the Felipe deal, didn't like the Shelby deal, but Felipe worked out, to be fair. I don't know why they signed Andre Onana. I really don't, because he was awful when he came in as well. Didn't like the Chris Wood deal, but the Kane Onana's deal was great. They brought Renan Lodi in because Omar Richards got injured, so they had to bring him in. Um, It's a shame the Loic Bade deal didn't work out because he went on and showed how good he is for Sevilla. But there was there was logic behind most of the moves. Most of the moves. I don't think they'll be as aggressive in the transfer market this summer. Uh, things are a lot quieter around Forest. Speaking to one or two of the the patch journalists and the the fan groups over the last week or so, 
things seem to be just settling down for them. And it's more, they've, they've got a big focus on getting a goalkeeper. And then it's more about, you know, pointed signings. And for me, like I say, if the, if he's going to play the back three, which I think he should, right side centre-back, left side centre-back, and Niakate. And that's that's what I would want to see. Niakate in the middle, two new quality centre-backs in either side of him. And then Nico makes a lot more sense as a right wing back. And I think Omar Richards is better as a left wing back. Now, it doesn't look like they'll be able to keep Renan Lodi, um, which is a shame because I thought he really did step up at the end of the season and was really in his kind of best form in a couple of years. But it is what it is. Get those two centre-backs in and get them in quickly. And get a left back in. Doesn't necessarily have to be a starter because I do think Omar Richards is really talented. But the problem with him is he's played so little football in the last two years. Didn't kick a ball last year. And he went to Bayern from Reading on a free. And he played 17 games and most of them weren't starts. So it's going to take him some time to get back up to speed. But he is talented without question. Give Chelsea a ring and see if they'll loan you either Lewis Hall or Ian Matson. And if they'll loan you one of them, then you're going to be set at that position. The other one then can stay at Chelsea and be a squad player. Um, the centre-backs will be tough enough because you're going to have not a huge budget. You want a blend of youth and experience. So ideally you're looking for someone sort of 24, 25. Similar sort of age age range, I would suggest to kind of worrel in that, maybe a little bit younger. Niakata, 27, has that little bit of extra experience. Now, you could look for, do you know actually who would work? And who he's played with and has a decent enough understanding is Abdu Diallo. 27, same as Niakata. There's actually only about two months between them in age. They've played together for Senegal. I reckon PSG would let him go this summer. He's got a year left in his contract. I think you could get him quite cheap. Spent last season on loan at Leipzig. It didn't go particularly well from there. He could make a lot of sense as a bargain signing with a big upside on the left side of that defence. And then on the right side, maybe that's where you go for someone that bit younger, who's more of a kind of future play. Not sure who that player would be, but it's not up to me to find them. Um, Right, I'm going to take a break. From there, we'll come back and we'll do the news and the gossip and we'll be done. So I will see you after this. Right, welcome back. So, Manchester United are set to make a third bid of about £55 for Mason Mount. And this time, the Old Trafford Club will also warn that they will walk away from negotiations if the offer is not accepted. I love when clubs do this. trying to act like you're in control of the situation. Um, 55 million is, for Chelsea, it's a good deal. For United, it's a bit of an overpay for a player with a year left in his deal. 
But Mason Mount is a good player. I still just don't understand where he fits at Chelsea, or at, at United, rather. Like, they've got Bruno as a 10. They've got Ericsson, who's really kind of 8 slash 10. Sancho in their system, given they don't have explosive fullbacks, is more of a 10. He can play left wing, but again, you've got Rashford, you've got Garnacho, and Sancho can play out there. He's not an 8. He's got very, very limited experience playing as an 8. He has zero experience playing in a double pivot next to a defensive midfielder, which is the role Ericsson played last year. And then uh, Sabitzer played when he came in and Ericsson was injured. So I'm not really sure how it would work. Maybe Bruno plays the deeper role. Is that getting the best of Bruno? I don't think so. It's not a role he's played either. 4-3-3 suits Bruno best, where he is an 8, with a Casemiro, but with then another more defensive-minded player, someone that just sort of links things and you know, doesn't demand a lot of the ball. Someone like a better version of Fred, a Ginny Wijnaldum type. That's basically your ideal makeup there is Bruno, Casemiro, and then kind of 2017 to 2020 Ginny Wijnaldum. That's kind of what you're looking for. And that's not what he's going to be. Adrian Rabio would probably be a much better fit, even though he's better on the ball than a lot of players. I think he can play that role quite well. I don't, I don't really understand the fit with Mason Mount. I don't really understand why they've decided he's their top midfield priority. But it is what they're going to do by the looks of it. We'll see if the offer gets accepted. I have a feeling it will be. I think Chelsea will just want it done and have him gone. They're going to overpay. They're going to overpay the wages, and I don't really see the fit. So we'll see what happens for United. But what I will say is Mason Mount is a very, very hard-working player who I think will throw himself all into trying to learn a new position if that's what he's asked to do. I just don't see him having the skill set. In the short term, if they give him two years, then in year three, maybe he can have a good handle on that role but he'll need to improve hugely from a defensive point of view he's a good presser he's really good when the ball's in front of him when the ball goes behind him he's a non-factor he just gets completely lost he doesn't track runners he doesn't take up good defensive positions he doesn't cut out passing lanes that's where I'd be concerned uh, Bill Kenwright is to stay as chairman of Everton Football Club and in the words of Farhad Mashiri, help the club through a period of transition. This has not been greeted well by Everton fans who have wanted Kenwright gone for years. They have protested this man for years. He's been on the board of directors for 34 years, in which time Everton have gone from the end of what was sort of the Everton Golden era in the in the 80s to being very much an afterthought. They've won one trophy, the FA Cup in 95. That's now 28 years ago. And truthfully, 
They've never really come close to winning anything else. They did have some decent seasons under David Moyes, but, I mean, can you pick out a memorable Everton season in the last 28 years? Can you pick out a second memorable Everton season after 94-95 when they won the FA Cup in the 34 years that Bill Kenwright has been one of the shot callers of the club? I think they should have been looking to move move away from him, being honest. I think Bill Kenwright just sets a really bad tone at the club. Uh, John McGinn has signed a new four-year contract with Aston Villa that will keep him at the club till 2027. Uh, he's been there now for five years. As a squad player, he's fine. I wouldn't want him starting for me. Uh, Chelsea's owners, Todd Bowley, etc., have agreed to buy close to 100% of Strasbourg for 75 million euro. This is obviously part of them looking to have a place to park more young players, etc., etc., on their eight-year contracts and such. And it'll be interesting to see how Strasbourg is managed over the next few years. They've had a fairly rough time of it. They've been up and down. They've been relegated a few times over the last, what, 20 years or so. Um, They finished 15th last season. I don't know how good this will be for them. I think this is purely going to be used to benefit Chelsea. And it's, it's something I dislike. But if it's done properly, and credit to the City Football Group, we went through a few months ago, a month or so ago, what their other teams have done. And to be fair, they have had success with other clubs there. If Chelsea are willing to put the time and resources into Strasbourg, this could be a really good thing for the club. And if they're willing to use them as a development place for Chelsea players, both in on loan and bought to Strasbourg before joining Chelsea, and also buy players simply to benefit Strasbourg for the longer term, some more experienced players, then this could be good. So we'll we'll withhold judgment on it. Um, Alexander Seferin, the UEFA president, has said not everything was perfect for fans after criticism of the Champions League final. I would say it was an absolute shambles, to be quite honest. I would say it was a shambles. Not as bad a shambles as the 2022 version in Paris, but a shambles nonetheless. BBC have a piece here about potential Ballon d'Or winners for 2024. Uh, Jude Bellingham, Erling Haaland, Vinicius Jr., Kylian Mbappe. They've included Neymar. I'm not sure why. There's zero chance Neymar will win the Ballon d'Or. Uh, I would pick Kylian Mbappe, to be honest, as my favourite to win it, especially if he does get his Real move this summer. Edin Dzeko has left Inter Milan to join Fenerbahce on a free two-year contract for the 37-year-old. He's done, to be fair, very, very well for Inter. Played a key role in getting them to the European Cup final. Was vital in winning uh, two Coppa Italias. Was very, very good before that for Roma. He's done very well in Italian football. And 
I've always liked him from when I first saw him play for Wolf, uh, yeah, Wolfsburg. Him and Graffiti, and if I could remember the name of the Bosnian playmaker, it would be fantastic. Who was the name? What was the name of the Bosnian playmaker the year Wolfsburg won the league? Let's see. Wolfsburg will go 9 tens. I think he was still there. They finished eighth in the league that year. Misimovic. Zvedan Misimovic. He was an outrageous passer of the ball. Loved watching him play. It was the year before. It was 0809 they won the league, wasn't it? Yeah, 0809 under Felix Magat. Some good players in that team. Christian Zaccardo was there. Jan Sumanek was there. Ricardo Costa was there. Graffiti was there. It was a huge up- upset that they won the title. Um, but the two stars were, were Jacko and Misimovic. They were brilliant together. Um, so Jacko's had a, he's had a long storied career, you know. Won a title with Wolfsburg, won multiple titles with City, won an FA Cup and a League Cup, two Cup Italias with with Milan, and in between City and Milan, scored goals for fun for Roma. Had a great partnership there with Salah. Yeah, always been a fan of Ed and Jacko. I hope he does well with um, with Fenerbahce. Uh, former Stoke captain and England defender Ryan Shawcross has returned to Stoke to coach their under-18s. Um, he left Stoke, went to into Miami, played a year there, calling the England defenders a bit of a stretch. He played once. Um, I, I've never heard anything positive about Ryan Shawcross. Ever. Nothing positive about what he's like behind the scenes. Very much in that old school mentality of, you know, older player shouting down younger player. Not supportive of younger players during his time at Stoke. Um, There's a couple of stories gone round about him. I've spoken to one or two of the people who've told said stories and nothing positive about Ryan Shawcross. So, you know. Back to Stoke he goes, and he, he fits in well there, doesn't he? Um, Cardiff City have had their transfer embargo reduced by one window, so they won't be allowed to buy anybody this summer. Um, they were placed under an embargo because they defaulted on payment for the transfer fee of the late Emiliano Salad. The fact that this is still going on, and the fact that they're still behaving like this over that deal genuinely sickens me. The way they've conducted themselves over that deal absolutely sickens me. And they should be ashamed of themselves. And their ownership, I mean, it's been a catastrophe since Vincent Tan bought the club Tried to change the club colours, change the club badge. 
the way he's carried on is shameful. Absolutely shameful. And he's involved in a couple of other clubs as well. And I, I can't be imagining that those clubs have flourished under his watch. I really can't. Scumbag. Uh, Aston Villa's supporter trust have announced that they're highly disappoint- disappointed over the new sponsorship deal that Villa have announced with BK8, who are an Asian-based online betting company. Now, the Premier League clubs will only be allowed to have gambling sponsorship for three more seasons. So they have signed a three-year deal. And Villa's fan base have reacted quite negatively to this. Um, Norwich were previously sponsored by them, but they cancelled said deal because of the firm's provocative marketing campaign. Fan groups have released a joint statement highlighting the social and mental harm caused by gambling addictions, as well as expressing concerns about their marketing campaigns. Now, I haven't seen any of their marketing campaigns. I have no idea what they're talking about. But I do agree that gambling companies should not be allowed to um, to advertise in football. I just, I, I mean, should we, could a team just sign a deal with like some crack dealer, you know, like Mickey's moon bags or something? And <laughs> like gambling addiction is a very serious thing that tears apart families all over the world every single day. And it's not something we should be promoting. I, I, I'm fully on board with the Villa supporters trust on this one. Uh, let's do the gossip and finish up for the day. And let's not say if you, if you want to gamble and you think you have it under control, then fair play to you. Like I'm not telling anybody they shouldn't do it. I just am aware of the perils of gambling addiction. I've seen it happen to people I know quite well. And I've seen it tear their families apart. And I've seen kids ending up going hungry, families losing their homes, all sorts, because somebody in the family has a gambling addiction. In the same way we've we've everybody seen it happen from drinking addictions. You know? There's very strict laws about drinking advertisement now. But the gambling companies push their product far more than the drinking companies do and don't make the warnings as pronounced as the drinking companies do. Um, let's do the gossip. England midfielder Declan Rice remains keen to join Arsenal despite Manchester City planning to enter the race and the treble winner's also been able to meet the 100 million asking price. Well, first of all, Arsenal have shown nothing to suggest that they can meet the 100 million asking price. They're offering 75. So let's be clear on that. They're offering 75. They're not offering 90. They're offering 75 and add-ons. Add-ons that may never, ever be recognized. So they're offering 75. It's a long way short. City can pay 100 million. They did it for Jack Grealish. It wouldn't be a surprise if they lumped in, even if they lump in 90 and 10 million in add-ons that are linked to City winning things. There's much more chance of City winning a league in Champions League 
than there is of Arsenal doing either. So I would imagine City are probably favourites to get a deal done with West Ham right now. And I really don't think Declan Rice is turning down a move to City. Mikel Arteta believes Declan Rice is the club's future club captain. And the Gunners are preparing a third offer closer to West Ham's demands. Now, Declan Rice, uh, as a leader, is a myth. Because we saw that at West Ham this season. Declan Rice was 24 in January. Martin Odegaard is Arsenal's current captain. And he turned 24 the month before Declan Rice. So, when exactly is Rice going to be captain? Because Odegaard is there for the long haul. So unless he leaves, unless he leaves, Declan Rice is never becoming captain captain of anything. Uh, Liverpool forward Mohamed Salah is the next marquee signing being targeted by the Saudi Pro League. Uh, this is for a gentleman who's writing for 4-4-2. So I'm going to go ahead and say that that's crap. Uh, Jurgen Klopp's agent has ruled out the Liverpool head coach leaving Anfield to replace Hansi Flick. I do think Klopp will manage Germany at some point. I just don't think it will be anytime soon. 2026 is probably the time when his contract at Liverpool runs out. I reckon that might be it. Or he might take a couple of years off and come back and do it in 2028. AC Milan are hoping to beat arch-rivals Inter to the signing of Romelu Lukaku. I don't know that Lukaku would go and play for AC Milan because he is very much ingrained in Inter at this point. But you never know. Italy's different than, than England. Manchester United believe they've found a middle ground with Chelsea over a deal for Mason Mount. Tottenham have emerged as the front runners to sign James Madison. Bayern Munich are willing to offer a two-year deal to Kyle Walker. Thomas Partey is open to a move to Juventus, who have a three-year contract ready for the Ghana International. I would be willing to bet everything I own that they don't. Because Italy has an extradition order with England. He's going to Saudi Arabia because there's no extradition from there. That's why he's doing it. He is fleeing the country. That's why Arsenal are selling. Because they know what's coming. That's why he wants to leave. He's he's not going anywhere in Europe. That's his agent spoofing. And I guarantee there will be nonsense that he's been offered a hundred million a year to go to Saudi Arabia. No, he won't be. He might be offered 10 or 15. He's not the type of player that warrants those big offers. They'll make it look like he couldn't turn it down. He's going because he's in trouble. Fulham are leading the race to sign James Ward-Prowse. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that I necessarily believe that. Marco Silva is considering a lucrative offer to join the Saudi Pro League. I think that would be awful for him and awful for them. But look, as I said before, if you get offered enough money, just go and do it. Uh, Marseille are interested in Anthony Robinson of Fulham, but face competition from Man City, AC Milan, Inter Milan. His agent is playing a blinder here. Chelsea and Spain defender Cesar Aspilicueta is a target for Inter Milan. Inter Milan play a back three. Um, so he, he can't play as a wing back. So would you have him right side centre back? They've lost Schrinier. I would have thought they'd be aiming higher. He he is washed. Borussia Dortmund are lining up a shock £13 million move 
for Hannibal Mowsbury. Um, that's actually not a bad move, to be fair. I think he's talented. I really do think he's talented. The Bundesliga side are also keen on Cole Palmer. Yeah, I think he could he could benefit from a loan. I don't think City sell, but I think he could benefit from a loan. Premier League quartet, Brentford, Fulham, West Ham and Wolves will rival Sporting Lisbon to sign Victor Jokerez from Coventry. Um, he makes sense for Brentford because Tony's out for six months and then will probably leave next summer. I don't think he makes any sense for Fulham because they've got Mitrovic and they don't play two strikers. I could see him at West Ham if Skamaka moves on. And Wolves could do with a striker. They've got Sasa coming back. But I think Sasa and Jokerez could play together as a two. And that's a manager in Lopetegui who does like a front two. So that one would make sense to me as well. Manchester United have offered Roma the chance to sign Donny van de Beek. Oh, how generous of them. Roma winger Justin Clivert will have a medical with Bournemouth on Friday before the Netherlands International completes a 9.5 million move to Cherries. I'm not a huge fan, but he is talented. Arsenal and Ghana midfielder Thomas Partey has approved a potential move to Juventus. There is no move to Juventus. I, I genuinely don't think there's a move to Juventus. He's going to go to Saudi. Real Madrid are monitoring Fenerbahce teenager Arda Guler, who's been dubbed the Turkish Messi. That kid does look mega talented. Argentina legend Lionel Messi has told Paris Saint-Germain and France forward killing Mbappe that he deserves a winning project. Uh, Messi getting in some shots on the way out the door. France forward Marcus Turam has told PSG he will not be joining them on a free this summer following the expiration of his contract with the German side Borussia Mönchengladbach. So he has been linked recently to AC Milan. But don't be surprised if he turns up in the Premier League. There's at least one offer on the table from the Premier League for him. We'll leave it there. Thank you, as always, for listening, folks. I will see you Monday. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.